Welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergio. To learn more about managing all of your e-commerce tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Convergio.com. On today's episode, we interview Jessica Ekstrom from HeadbandsofHope.com. Jessica Ekstrom was an intern at a wish-granting organization when she noticed that a lot of kids love to wear headbands after hair loss from chemotherapy. With this simple idea, she founded Headbands of Hope. For every headband sold, another one is given away to a child with cancer. Headbands of Hope is just one example of how a company didn't need a ton of products to scale and have an impact. Today, we chat with Jessica about our mission and we learn the pros and cons of being hyper-targeted. Hi, Jessica. How are you? Hi, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for making the time to talk to us. Um, Let's start with Headbands of Hope. What is Headbands of Hope in your own words? So for every headband sold, we donate a headband to a child with cancer. So it's really a company that helps instill a sense of confidence with kids who are going through a rough time. Can you tell us the story behind it? How did this start out for you? Sure. I was a college student at North Carolina State University and was doing a summer internship with a wish-granting organization that grants wishes to kids with life-threatening illnesses. And I was seeing kids who were going through chemotherapy, losing their hair and being offered wigs or hats, something to cover up their heads. And a lot of them weren't necessarily concerned with that. They really just wanted to restore a sense of identity um, and kind of self-expression. And so I actually saw most of the kids wearing headbands. And so I started to research organizations that provided headbands uh, to kids with cancer and couldn't find anything. And so that was like the first moment that I thought, well, this is a need that isn't being met. And I was um, a sophomore at the time, and so spent my whole junior year, you know, creating this company in between classes and trying to figure out, you know, uh, how to start the website and having absolutely no experience um, (laughs) and launched it uh, April 25th, 2012. So we're about to come up on our five-year anniversary, which is crazy to me. (laughs) Congratulations. Well, it sounds like you basically crafted your job before you even graduated, right? Yeah. And I wasn't really aware of that at the time. Um, I, you know, it it was just almost like an impulsive um, problem solving. Uh, It wasn't this big moment where I thought I'm going to start a business. It was, I'm going to fix this problem. And the answer to it was starting a business. And I, I wish I could say that I had this huge grand plan, but I didn't. And I remember it was my senior year and, you know, Headbands of Hope was about six months and it was, um, you know, at at a point where it was really gaining traction. Obviously it wasn't, um, you know, like a huge business at that time, but you could see the potential in it. And I was home for Thanksgiving break and I, asked my parents because all of my friends were starting to apply for jobs because it was their senior year. And I just said, am I supposed to be applying for jobs right now? I'm just kind of unsure of what I'm supposed to be doing. And they were like, no, don't apply for jobs. Just go for it. And so that was really the moment about six months after I started the business where I kind of realized that I was 
you know, I'd created this life for myself that I wasn't aware of at the time. So would you say that in a sense, you basically stumbled upon entrepreneurship, not that it just happened to you, but you know, it wasn't planned. It was something that just came out of necessity because you saw that there was a need for something and it wasn't being met. Yeah, I would, I, I'm not sure if I would say, um, stumbled because I think now looking back, um, in hindsight, I feel like I was always an entrepreneur without mm-hmm. really knowing it. Um, even when I was a little kid, I would sell like my, you know, old toys on, on eBay when I was like 12 and, you know, put up a sheet in my bedroom and, you know, take pictures on my mom's camera and upload them to computer and do product descriptions. And, um, and then when I started selling my sister's toys, things got a little messy, but, um, (laughs) it was, it was something that I, I felt like I was always, um, just just trying to either solve problems or identify opportunities. And I didn't know at the time that that was entrepreneurship, but I was always kind of thinking that way. Mm-hmm. So, so you sell headbands. You basically sell one type of product, even though you have a lot of variations on the website. So it's not just one headband. You also sell mm-hmm. hair accessories. What are the pros and cons, in your opinion, of being so hyper-targeted? Yeah, I think um, one of the things about just selling one specific kind of product is you know exactly what what you're doing, and that's a good thing. Um, You don't really have to um, question yourself or uh, your consumers are very clear about what they're going to be getting when they come to your website. But then on the other hand, um, sometimes you still have to keep everything fresh with only having one certain product, um, which sometimes can be a hurdle. You want to keep people coming back for more, but yet uh, it, it's a, just a different variation of the same product. Um, and, you know, sometimes having a, a, a product with, that does so much good, but at a price point that you want everyone to be able to afford, uh, you have to really move a lot and have a wide distribution in order, um, to keep going because it is at, you know, an affordable price point. Mm -hmm. Can you go a little further into the, what ways you keep your single product fresh? So really it's, it's trying to anticipate trends. Um, for example, you know, we're looking at, you know, next summer right now and looking at denim and this fall, uh, we had velvet headbands that we've never done before, but now velvet's everywhere and, uh, it used to be flower crowns, but now it's more hair jewelry and clips and, um, and it's just trying to stay on top of that. Um, and also keeping them fresh, not just with the product sense, but with the story sense. And so every time something is purchased on our site, a headband is donated to a child with cancer. And so a fresh story happens every single time. Um, it never just becomes just a headband or it never becomes just another donation. It's, it's a new face every time. And so we try to do the best that we can to bring those stories and to bring those faces, um, and that impact to our consumers. And so one thing, um, that we started doing, which we actually utilized Conversio for this is in our follow-up email, 
we created a donation confirmation. And so usually um, around 20 days after someone purchases, we will have made that donation. And so in that email, it shows where the product is donated. So that keeps it really fresh for consumers that every time they buy, they're going to get a different um, name in that email as to what hospital their purchase benefited. What about, um, so what I'm hearing you say then, a couple of the ways that you help combat that uncertainty is just being able to, to predict the market. And then on top of it, based on the nature of what you're doing, that you give away things, you have um, sort of self-generated content that's interesting and, and heartfelt and that type of thing. Um, is there anything else that you do to help uh, counteract that uncertainty that you'll still be relevant a year from now, five years from now? Yeah, I think that one of the things that we really try to do, and again, it goes back to the purpose-driven, is we we always want to be um, a part of the solution. And so being inspired by a problem, I think one of the best things that we can do is help solve it. And so we want to be a part of not just the ease inside the hospitals with the headbands, but be a part of uh, research. And so we've started doing um, band together series where we partner with different research charities and uh, donate portions of our sales to them um, in a week. And so I think that that keeps people, um, it keeps people involved and knowing that we're using our company as a vehicle for a cure uh, is something that will always be relevant until there's a cure. So one of the primary ways that businesses increase the customer lifetime value is by cross-selling and upselling. And you mentioned earlier using some follow-up emails with Convergio to to um, tell the customers or the donators basically that uh, here's what happened when you purchased this headband. Um, what are your some of your favorite ways to increase your customer's lifetime value without sounding salesy? Because you're in a position where I would imagine it's difficult to hammer that sale, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. because you don't want to give the impression um, that it's all about selling, you know, mm-hmm. and you have a charity and there's a charitable nature to your business, but at the same time, it, it's a business at the end of the day and you need to sell. So how do you balance that out? Yeah, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to use Conversio is because you guys give so many options for that and one that can fit any kind of business need. Because like you said, you know, you want to be sensitive about sounding too salesy when you really have a mission um, beyond your sale. And so one of our favorite ways is by the, the referral codes and the referral program, because we, what we do is so unique. We're the only company that donates headbands to kids with cancer. And so therefore people are going to want to share that. Um, and I think that's one of the best marketing tools that we can do is encourage that, is encourage those word of mouth sales. And so giving people that just easy and clear opportunity to refer a friend with this link where they both can be rewarded for that um, is something that we love doing. We, we love acquiring new customers through word of mouth. And along with that, um, links to social, I think it's it's an integral part of our story to not just purchase, but follow along. Um, what hospitals are we going to, um, what we do woman crush Wednesday series where every Wednesday we have a new kid that we're highlighting. 
Um, and so we want to make sure that that's, again, accessible and easy in every kind of communication that we have with our consumers. Where do you highlight these stories of these kids you mentioned every Wednesday? Yes, on our Instagram and on our Facebook, uh, we, we have a, a new picture and we highlight a kid. And then we also do, um, depending on the child, we'll do a newsletter um, or blogs occasionally uh, about what it was like to get a headband. Recently, we just did um, actually had makeup artists and a professional photographer go into the hospital with us for a specific oh. girl named Melly who wants to to be a model and she she is a model she's uh i mean doing amazing work and so we did a shoot with her in the hospital um because she couldn't leave and so right now we're working on um a newsletter for that and a blog to kind of share what it's what it's been like for her and how headbands can be such a simple gesture that does so much That's, that's amazing. We'll be sure to share these links later with, uh, yes. with the guest, yes. What about, what are some of your favorite strategies that you used in the beginning to contact and reach potential buyers? You know, I think one thing that I didn't, um, it wasn't necessarily planned, uh, but it ended up working out was just the user generated content and word of mouth concept. What, we are doing is, is so unique that it wasn't, um, I didn't have to spend, um, money that I didn't have on, on marketing or, um, doing a lot of outreach. I think one thing, it really helped to be a college student and kind of have the support of a university and a, and a giant student body to get me started. Um, and so kind of, even if you're not a college student, but maybe finding um, a, a certain population that can hop on board and then use word of mouth after that. What about what didn't work in the beginning? Oh, good question. I feel like I've made <laughs> a lot of mistakes, um, but trying to narrow down um, the ones can be challenging. But Things that didn't work, um, I would say just at the beginning, uh, like, like sponsorships, um, just having, you know, just simple logo exposure when you haven't really even told your story yet wasn't really of value to us um, because there wasn't any communication or interaction or way that we can really show what we do just through um, a banner ad or something like that. And so that's something that we, we've you know, stepped back on, it can be, uh, you know, really enticing to have this idea of, of having your logo, you know, um, in front of thousands of people, but and then at the same time, it, it doesn't maybe build as many relationships as you would hoped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Just based on the, the nature of what you're doing, kind of a, mm -hmm. a one shot, um, doesn't necessarily authentically connect with anyone. Um, yeah. What about now? So let's say if you could focus in on one area, we'll just, we'll call it marketing in the broader sense, but um, I know it's, mm -hmm. it's got a little more meaning based on what you're doing than that. But if you could focus in on one area of your business for the marketing sense that you're not able to right now, what would it be? I know the exact answer to this. I think about it all the time. Um, so we have a program called Headband Heroes, and it, uh, it it it's a campus representative program technically, but it's B 
beyond that. Um, you don't have to be a college student to be involved. And it's a ambassador program that, again, produces that user-generated content. Um, it kind of puts our voice and our name um, across the country and across the world. We do have some internationally now. And they go to hospitals. They um, go to trunk shows. They they talk to, you know, outreach to celebrities and uh, really help just in all areas of the brand. And the problem that we were having was um, we were getting so many uh, headband heroes without the ability to orchestrate it. And so right now we're working on a portal um, that will allow us to have all of this under our control and be able to um, grow that program. Because like I've you know mentioned many times, I, I really do believe that beyond your, the communication that we can have with our consumers over email, I, it's the people behind it um, that really build those connections and, and share the stories. And so we want to create as many of those opportunities as possible. So we imagine that people who care deeply about, you know, helping cancer patients are probably interesting. It's interested in reading more about, about you and your blog and receiving updates through your newsletters and as a business, you are also able to, you know, also need to sell. So what do you say is a good balance or ratio of informative and educational content versus mm. promotional material? That's a great question. It's one that I think of a lot. Um, I just, I, you know, I go back to Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and how people respond more to why you're selling your product and not what you're selling. Um, and so... If we are going to send out, you know, a um, content-based newsletter uh, about, you know, a, um, for example, the shoot with Melly in the hospital that's very impact-driven and shows what happens beyond a purchase, we might pair that with some add-ons at the bottom of, of new products because once someone sees what we do and a story beyond it, uh, we need to give them a call to action and something that they can do to help, which is buying. Um, and so you really have to kind of figure out ways to integrate them together um, and find that healthy balance. And, you know, as I was saying, Conversio really does give you the opportunity to lay out your newsletter or your follow-ups how you want it so you can offer that balance to your customers. But I also think that, you know, for example, I'm a writer for Entrepreneur and Huffington Post, and um, and I love being able to share what uh, experiences I've had and what has worked for me and what hasn't worked for me just to help the spirit of entrepreneurship in general or maybe someone who could hear my story, read what I've done, who's on the fence about starting their business. And then that moment is the reason why they start. Um, to me, that, that carries so much value beyond, beyond my company. Mm -hmm. I also feel like it's, it's very important for business people to, to learn to be able to ask and say, buy this and not feel, and I'm not saying that you necessarily feel this way, but I feel like you know, from being in contact with a lot of, um, you know, users and a lot of businesses, not everyone is comfortable saying mm -hmm. the, you know, the words buy this because everyone is so afraid of, of being annoying and salesy. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be realistic and, and 
understand that we can't do these stories and have these moments without making sales. Like this is, um, this is the dessert. This is the cherry on top, like of, of what we do. This is the, the after effects. Um, but we can't create those moments without making sales. Um, so by kind of having that mindset, um, you know, I, I, it was, uh, you know, Blake with Tom's shoes that, that said, he's like, I don't think you should have to choose between making a living and making a difference. You should be able to do both at once. Um, and I think that you should never feel, feel guilty about, about making sales if you believe in why you're selling it. So you mentioned that you write for a few of these established sort of entrepreneur slash business organizations. What do you feel like is accepted as common truth that's a really terrible idea for business owners? Oh, um, common truth, you know, and I, I guess everyone's different, but um, for me, it was, you know, that you have to have a business partner. Um, I think a lot of people... Uh, you know, you have to have like a yin and a yang. And, um, I, I didn't, I don't have a business partner. I mean, we have a small team now, which is amazing, but in order to get started, um, I think that, uh, it's, if it is a natural fit, um, then great. That's awesome. But I think that if you just have a business partner only just to have someone beside you who maybe you realize that you don't work together that well, um, and it's a little bit forced, uh, it can be kind of detrimental to your business. Or what about, um, as a follow-up to that, from the things that you've written in this context or advice you've given, what has seemed to resonate the most? What has seemed to resonate? Um, I think just being powered by purpose, I think that that is something that is not trendy. It's not... Um, you know, just like a marketing tactic. It's not something that's going to come in and out. It's something that will always be relevant. Um, it's just having a clear understanding of why you're selling what you're selling. Um, and I think that even not directly cause related companies like a one for one company or a charity, um, can still abide by that. Uh, I don't think you have to have like a clear, you know, blaring social mission, um, you know, on, on, you know, the homepage of your website to instill a culture of purpose in your company. Um, you can find that in a lot of different ways. Uh, and so that's not just for someone who is starting a, you know, quote, socially conscious business. What about, I want to, uh, pivot a little bit from the personal side. I imagine that with as much, um, no pun intended, with as much hope that you're able to bring with your business, you've probably endured some hardships as well, just building relationships with these kids or these people. Um, what story stands out the most? Like what interaction that you've had with a person, um, if you're willing to share, um, has really defined maybe you as an individual and then you as your business, as a business owner? Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that one's clear as day to me. It was, about um, a year into my my business, I met a girl named Taylor over at UNC Children's Hospital, and she uh, and I really hit it off. She was around fifteen, and she picked out this really cool purple and green headband, and um, 
we started talking and I remember, you know, her saying that she was feeling kind of down on herself because she wasn't able to go to prom. Um, and she was seeing on social media that all of her friends were getting ready for prom and going to prom and, uh, she was stuck in the hospital. And so I was about to go to a trade show that weekend that I had been just super kind of stressed about and, you know, just thinking that the weight of the world was on my shoulders when it's really not and being the dramatic entrepreneur. And, um, and I just said, when I get back from the trade show, I will come back and we'll do our own prom. And so she had me on Facebook. I went to the trade show and, uh, then I got a, while I was there, I got a call from her mom and, uh, she told me that Taylor had passed away and that she wanted that same purple and green headband for every female in her family to wear to her service that following week. And that, cause that's how much it, it meant to Taylor that I was there and that I cared and that she had this headband after, you know, losing her hair during this tough time. Um, and so that was a moment where it was like, I kind of felt like I was getting off track, um, with why I started this and being becoming really stressed out and really, really kind of, um, freaking out about money and, and, and making, um, making ends meet. And it was just this anchor like this, just this weight that really reminded me why I started Headbands Pope in the first place. And, uh, because of Taylor, I'm actually planning, um, we're doing a, a prom at the children's hospital in April for, for all the kids there. So, um, that's just one story, but it's something that I think about every time things get tough. Oh no, that's, thank you for sharing. That obviously is power. It's hard to, it's always, <laughs> I ask questions like that sometimes, and then it's hard to actually convey how sad, but wonderful at the same time. Like how yeah. do you, how did it change you? Like, I don't know how you could walk away from that unchanged, like as a, as a, like, are you just yeah, you kind can't. of rock solid now? And like, I know my mission and you've never forgotten it. Like, how did it affect you? So I keep a file on my computer, um, actually, uh, that is just all, um, moments and memories that remind me why I started, you know, and it's a letter from a mom who's, you know, child is finishing up treatment and didn't want to go to her first day of kindergarten because she thought everyone would think she was a boy and she got her headband in the hospital and then started picking out her kindergarten outfit and laid out all of her school supplies and was excited to go. And it's those, those moments and like those times that, um, I need to, to remember and keep on the front end. Um, it, but at the same time, it's unrealistic to, to think that, um, I will always be on track because anyone who's a business owner or anyone who's really, you know, pushing themselves in their lives will always, um, run into hurdles or will always like mess up or, you know, do something where you, uh, you know, made a mistake and lost money and you kind of feel like, like the, the world is crashing down. It, it can, when you create something like a business, uh, you feel like it's just a part of you. And so everything that happens to it, you feel directly, um, affects you. And so to have that file on my computer and to have like, that's something that I can go back to when I start feeling like that. Um, 
is really important to me. Uh, I would definitely say that I'm not rock solid, but I have, um, I have ways to remind me to get back to that mm-hmm. when I need to. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your vulnerability and definitely just your openness to do the work that you're doing. So thank you for all that. Well, thank you for letting me share it. So with that, what is the best place for people to go for our listeners if they want to learn more about you and support what your business is doing? Headbandsofhope.com is the best place. And then all other handles, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook are all Headbands of Hope. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before we let you go? Um, I would just say uh, if you believe in it enough you'll find a way to make it work (laughs) excellent well thank you so much for your time thank you guys one stop shop is a production of convergio learn how to manage all of the marketing tools channels and strategies that you need from one dashboard by visiting convergio.com this podcast was produced in partnership with come alive creative For help building, improving, and marketing your e-commerce store, visit comealivecreative.com. To listen to more episodes or to give us a rating, please visit convergio.com forward slash iTunes.